Hello and welcome. It's Thursday, April 6th, and you're listening to Arizona's News Roundup, the weekly podcast that gets you all caught up on the biggest stories in the state on your time. I'm your host, Taylor Kinnerup, Managing Editor here at KTAR News. On this podcast, we're breaking down all the top stories happening right now to keep you in the loop on all things Arizona. We also look ahead at what's to come to make sure you know what to keep an eye out on until our next episode. For this week, I'll tell you all about the latest in the Coyotes Arena saga and the state of TikTok in Arizona. But first, the biggest story in the state and possibly the world this week. For the first time in history, a U.S. president was arrested on criminal charges. On Tuesday, the world seemed to stop and watch with bated breath as President Donald J. Trump was taken to a New York courthouse. He was fingerprinted got a mugshot, and sat as a judge read aloud 34 criminal counts against him. This has been a story years in the making, and there are hundreds, likely thousands of resources that are more qualified to give you the legal breakdown on these things, so I'll just give you the SparkNotes version. New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg has been building this case claiming that Donald Trump signed off on hush payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels during his 2016 campaign. Now, the issue here isn't the hush money. The illegality of this is where the money came from. Allegedly, the New York District Attorney has evidence that Trump lawyer Michael Cohen paid Daniels from his personal funds, then President Trump paid Cohen back with campaign funding, allegedly disguising the payments as legal fees. Like I said, the hush payments are legal, but paying with campaign funding isn't. And that's what the New York District Attorney's Office is working to prove did happen. Trump was indicted last week on Thursday, and on Tuesday, he turned himself in. This created a commotion in the heart of the city. There were protesters and supporters, police, and plenty of security. Even a few poor couples hoping to get married at the courthouse got caught in the drama. As I said to start, this was a historic day. Our country has seen impeachments, but never a presidential arraignment. KTAR political analyst Mike O'Neill explains the precedent this could set. To indict a former president is a really big deal. Do we want to go that far? Well, if somebody else has already gone that far, it's likely to be just a little bit easier to make that decision. He adds it may also have some political implications since Trump was the first Republican to throw his hat in the ring for 2024. The last election suggests that the MAGA faction can win primaries. November showed that they do not do very well in winning general elections with the broader electorate voting. And ASU presidential historian Brooke Simpson told Arizona's Morning News the moral and civil tone of the presidency has taken a major hit. And usually when that happens in society, things do not recover to their former level of uh, civility, professionalism, what used to call presidential-like behavior. Now, I mentioned that Trump was running for president again. One of the greatest ironies here is under U.S. law, if convicted, Trump would still be able to run for that office, but wouldn't legally be able to vote for himself. And while this has been covering headlines all week, remember, the wheels of justice turn slowly. And it could be a while till a trial kicks off. As far as a trial goes, yes, you're, you're we're probably at least six months, if not more, from something like that happening. Jury selection is already underway in an attempt to find an impartial jury of the president's peers. Although, like many are thinking, is there really anyone who can be impartial on such a public case and figure? Only time will tell. But I can promise you we'll continue to follow every major update and bring you the very latest right here on KTAR. Now, if you want to talk about a complex legal battle, let's talk about the drama between the city of Phoenix and the city of Tempe and the sports team that's firing back. 
This week, the Arizona Coyotes sued the city of Phoenix for $2.3 billion. That's billion with a B for their alleged interference with the team's proposed entertainment district. This came after Sky Harbor sued the city because the proposed entertainment district has plans for an apartment complex that the airport says would be easily disturbed by its flight path. And all these lawsuits come as the city of Tempe gets a little closer to its May 16th public vote on whether or not the entertainment district will be built near the Salt River beds or not. So let's back up. How did we get here? Well, for as long as ice hockey has been in the Valley, so have the rumors that it's only one season away from leaving. Initially, the Arizona Coyotes made their home what was then known as America West Arena, now known as Footprint Center, in Phoenix in the 1996-97 season. This was considered a pretty standard move to double up a hockey arena with a basketball arena, but it didn't take long for the team to migrate a little further west to what was then known as Gila River Arena, now known as Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale in 2003. While the team's record has never been something the state hangs its hat on, and I've spent nearly my entire life hearing how the team is rumored to be leaving after each season, the real drama between the Coyotes and its then-home Glendale started picking up in the last few years. The city and the team would regularly come out with statements, claiming how neither of them wanted to part ways, but would need the other to meet them in the middle on whatever public squabble they were having at the time. If this is sounding a little like a bad breakup, you're not far off. It wasn't until 2022 that the city and the team officially parted ways after the city publicly shared that the Coyotes missed some of their arena payments, although the team claims it was human error. Now remember, I grew up hearing that the team was always just one season away from leaving, so many fans in the Valley were spooked, but it did appear that the team had a true intention to stay in the Valley. Cue the city of Tempe. Tempe often feels like the Valley's spunky kid brother. It's home to the state's largest public university, known for its innovation and infamous for its party school reputation, ASU. It's always had a younger or young-at-heart resident base, and it's known for its art and music scene, as well as trendy and hip restaurants. But it's also known for its rival with, and living in the shadow of, the city of Phoenix. And a lot of that known tension among Valley residents comes from the airport. Phoenix built its airport neighboring its border with Tempe. I mean, there's really no more iconic bird's-eye view of the valley than that near-perfect shot you get of Sun Devil Stadium as your flight gets ready to land in Phoenix. That being said, while good fences make good neighbors, fences can't keep out noise. And Tempe residents have really faced a lot of the brunt of the airport's pain points without their city benefiting from the tax dollars. However, I will say it's always nice to have a short drive to the airport. But back to what I was saying about arenas. When Tempe stepped up to welcome the Coyotes, they really only had ASU to prop up. The university had invested in their new mullet arena, and yes, I too assumed that was a joke name, considering most hockey players I know seem to sport the namesake hairstyle, but I'm assured this is pure coincidence. Anyway, the Coyotes were approved to spend three seasons with an option for a fourth at the college arena, meaning this was always a temporary plan, and one that had been rumored since the construction of the arena first began. Often you hear me say on the podcast, the worst kept secret in town. Well, this one might actually take the cake. The bigger picture here, though, was the city of Tempe and the Arizona Coyotes planned to eventually build a mega-entertainment district, similar to that of Glendale or Phoenix's downtown, something that Tempe has always been missing. However, sibling rivalry began to rule its ugly head, and as Tempe City Council meetings began, Sky Harbor Airport began attending public comment, taking meetings, and even sending out mailers to residents, saying they thought this entertainment district was a bad idea because of all the noise pollution from the airport. Their main gripe being as I said to start, the apartment complex. 
Now, when I've taken interviews with Sky Harbor on this topic, they've explained that when people say they understand the risk they're taking by living in a flight pattern, they don't necessarily understand how relentless or loud that noise can be. And eventually, they hate it. Airport director Chad Makovsky explains. We also want to make sure that those residents don't grow tired of the noise, because if they do, it's highly likely that they will object to future airport development. They will want to constrain the growth and the operation of the airport. But Tempe Mayor Corey Woods told Arizona's Morning News this week he thought Sky Harbor's concerns had been put to bed a while ago. The fact of the matter is we felt that by the time the council voted on this back in late November that we had worked out all of the major components of this issue. Sky Harbor said as much in that public meeting. And if Sky Harbor really does put the kibosh on this deal, a lot of money is at stake, roughly $2.3 billion, which are the proposed costs of the entertainment district which is exactly what the Coyotes are suing Phoenix for in the case that this deal does fall through due to their litigation. Now, if Tempe is following the letter of the law with this, something I'm not qualified to speak on, then Sky Harbor may not have a leg to stand on when it comes to the public vote on May 16th. And Tempe residents really will have the final word. While support for either side of this issue is hard to gauge among residents, I can tell you this one is going to be a fight till the very end for both cities and one that we will continue to keep a close eye on. And finally, it's been an especially bad week for one app in Arizona. Governor Katie Hobbs issued an executive order Wednesday to ban the social media app TikTok from all state devices, meaning anyone who is employed by the state government of Arizona can no longer have TikTok on any state-owned phones, tablets, or other smart devices. The move follows other states and even the federal government's lead after the app came under fire for possible data harvesting and cybersecurity concerns. The decision came just hours after Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays banned the app on her agency's devices and encouraged others to follow suit. Earlier this week, ASU banned the app on university devices following NAU and U of A's earlier leads. And as I said, states across the country have taken similar action already or are considering it. Congress has even hosted hearings discussing a possible total nationwide ban on the app. Now, there are a lot of thoughts and opinions behind this, and if you scroll on TikTok long enough, you'll come by nearly all of them. Outlets ranging from the Washington Post to Fortune have published stories citing competitor Meta, parent company of Facebook and Instagram, has lobbied against the app, which has seen a meteoric rise in popularity due to its algorithm. Creators on the app are claiming that this is a way to block younger audiences, the key demographic for the app, from everything from an online community to general knowledge. Regardless of the intentions behind banning the app, the continued concern among state and federal governments is that this China-based app puts Americans at risk for a data breach. It will continue to be a hot topic both locally and nationally, and one will be sure to follow for you closely. So that's it. You're all caught up for this week, the week of April 3rd, 2023. But what's ahead? Here are a few things to keep an eye out on until we meet again. Governor Hobbs and state prison director Ryan Thornell are expected in court this week to defend their stance on pausing state executions. However, Governor Hobbs will not attend in person. Her lawyers will speak on her behalf. Be sure to check KTAR.com for comments from that hearing. The Biden administration is expected to announce historic investments into Arizona's water infrastructure this week. It's the D-backs home opener this week and local hero and living miracle Tyler Moldovan and his wife Chelsea are throwing out the first pitch. He's the Phoenix police officer who was shot multiple times in 2021 while on duty and made an unbelievable recovery. 
And next week, state lawmakers and leaders will gather to discuss criminal justice reform with a specific look at how those experiencing homelessness are impacted. Remember, you can read more on all the week's top stories and get breaking news in real time on KTAR.com. You can also listen live on 92.3 FM or to take KTAR everywhere you go. Just download the KTAR News app for articles, podcasts, and of course, breaking news. With that, I'm Taylor Kinnerup, and you've been listening to Arizona's News Roundup. Until next week.